Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, May 30th. This is episode 142. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. We have content. We have, there's content. There's, you know what? There is so much content that I actually left a bunch of video game stuff on the floor. It's probably for the best because I stuck in more pinball last night and more pinball this morning. Yeah. And we were just discussing, we're going we're to get into it because one of them is pretty interesting. And I don't know if it's going to get a lot of coverage on the other podcasts. So we will, we will do our best. But Tony, I know you've had a video game filled past couple weeks. I, I, I have. I've, I've played video games. Okay. I've played a video game. Let's face it. I did something that I said I wasn't going to do. You did. You, you lied. You're a liar. I I, 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 I fell to the siren song. Mm. I've, I've, I've often talked about how I don't have time for MMOs anymore. Right. So siren song. Not mermaid song. Siren song. So the siren song. I uh, went ahead and installed the free trial of Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, that is what is known as a mistake. Hmm. Because the game is lovely, the music is amazing, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. And that's bad. Because... Now it, that's it, your life. It's not my life. It's actually, your life. Thing, it, is, it, it actually mm. hasn't taken over nearly as bad as some of the MMOs mm. I've played in the past. I was in serious consideration of reinstalling EVE, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Because I knew the only way I could play that game and be happy is if I reinstalled all four of my accounts right so that i could run all four at the same time and there's just i just didn't want to do that um i'm still in the free trial of final fantasy 14 there is a ton of stuff you can do there's actually people out there who have whole guides to all the stuff you can do in the free trial and it's a lot um I probably won't be doing everything you can do in the free trial before i buy it just because square Heard this siren, and they're like, I think, I think Tony just installed. Oh man, we haven't seen him since Final Fantasy XI. Oh, let's throw a 60% off sale out there. So they're, the whole game is on sale for 60% off. So I'm probably going to go ahead and pull the trigger. It sounds like it's been sounding to me like for a week now that. The trigger is essentially pulled already. I, I haven't done it yet, but, right? I'm, yeah, I'm, going, but I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to. I've been, click, I've been. It's just a click or two away. Yeah, it it is. It's been interesting because the um, crafting system is what mainly I've been messing around mm. a lot with. Because I'll watch TV and do crafting rotations and logging rotations and mining rotations, and it doesn't take any real, real effort or thought for me and I can do those without a problem. So like when I was like when I watched Army of the Dead, I was doing that. When I was watching my normal shows that I watch, I just did a crafting rotation. And thus all my crafting jobs are way higher than my actual combat. Crafting jobs. I liked crafting in eleven. Uh, other than that stuff would break, you'd fail. Yes. And I would uh, the higher end stuff when you were using rare components, it could be I still remember uh, <laughs> it didn't happen to me, but I remember I uh, had a Link Shell member who he was getting some super special item made. It was like the ultimate thing for his job. And he had to go and get this rare Divine Lumber it was. Divine Lumber. I remember because I think I helped do the boss fight to get the Divine Lumber. Mm-hmm. And it didn't always drop. You know, you had to keep... It was all... It was horrifically grindy. And then he went and he paid someone 
because you had to find people who had a high enough skill to be able to make this stuff. And they charged. Yeah. They charged you in-game currency for it. And he went, the person, and it shattered and he lost all the components. The Divine Lumber being the most devastating one because that was a 24-hour spawn timer boss. So it could spawn within two plus or minus two hours. Only came once a day. Not in an instance. So anyone on the server could fight it and take it from you. And and he when he finally got the drop, he didn't get the item and it blew up. Yeah. Yeah. And then tears started. Whereas I was a cook. So most of my stuff was relative, like royal jelly was the rarest item. And that wasn't a high demand thing. Like the food was good, it was useful, but because it was temporary, it didn't have the same demand right. as, uh, re, you know, material goods. So I usually didn't face as much competition, but uh, I did get, I did fully max out the crafting. It was one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, it's, and like I said, it's been fun. And one that was one thing, that was why one of the reasons I'd left 11 originally was how grindy it was because 11 was really bad about oh you're over level 5 well it's time for you to be in a very well balanced party if you want Mm. to get anything else for the rest of the game and this game's not like that at all yeah no that's uh, that was uh, that's a good example I mean I I really there was so much in 11 I liked but the need to rely on other people in a particular manner was I mean it was such that you know you would go you do in game which I was very involved with, and you would die so much to the bosses and stuff, you would de-level. You'd lose your level, and it's not like, other than maybe a Beastmaster, it was not like you could go and easily get XP by yourself. So you actually, in the end game, had to have leveling parties to get everyone back up to max level because of the damage you took doing end game stuff. And yeah. it was just tedious. It was, it was so much yeah. tedium. Uh, I, and I know. I mean, th- th- I'm sure there'll be stuff and in-game stuff like that. But as is, uh, I've only had to do a couple parties that were directly tied to storyline stuff, and even that was fast, easy, and fun. Oh, uh, I, I bet it's a lot better. I mean, the, eleven was. I'm sure fourteen learned a lot from War, World of Warcraft, which did a lot of the leveling stuff way better than yeah. eleven ever did. Eleven was. It was. It very much fit in what we. I think broadly, at least at the time, stereotyped as the Japanese MMO mentality, which was like there was also this desire that any items they ever added, they never added better items later. Just things that, you know, stuff that was better for a different spec. Right. Like there was this thing about never displacing anything that was in the game already. So it was, you know, there's always a stick. And again, it seemed to fit in this mentality of you worked really hard for this item. It shouldn't become superfluous. Warcraft learned not only should items be superfluous, <laughs> we should just add new level caps eventually. And make, and that was another problem that plagued Eleven is they just they couldn't yeah. because they're they're balancing with the job sub job system was so it was dependent. just it was yeah knife they did edge. finally raise levels after I left and it it caused issues uh, that just changed the dynamics dramatically. Like it was set up in a way that people couldn't sub red mage. And be able to have the same healing capabilities as the white mages. Right. And then that kind of got flipped upside down in a way. Not fully upside down, but it just it was different when they finally reached those new thresholds. Because yeah. some things were set at levels with very particular reasons in mind. So yeah, balancing's hard. Yeah. Just is. ask worker just ask Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Which talk is, about that. Yeah. Uh but speaking of what I've been doing, I finished the game I had just started the last time, Call of Cthulhu. So the video game version, not the board game version. And you lost all your sand. Yeah. 
And I, yeah, I was, actually, at the end of the game, I was pretty much completely crazy. And then uh, I haven't started a new game since. The, Overwatch has had an anniversary event going on, so mm-hmm. I've been playing a little bit more of that than I normally would. So that's pretty much it. Um, and I think we'll go ahead and we'll move into pinball, though. I should note, you know, I thought our, our last episode got way more feedback than I thought it would. In the in areas I didn't think. Yeah. So I thought the biggest thing I might have would be a few people that would take issue with me taking issue, uh, uh, well, of uh, our stance on that Baby Yoda gets to be Baby Yoda. Right. Yeah, you know, I thought, yeah, you know, I thought something, we were going to have a good nerd argument. No, not really. Uh, we had one person who did not like our coverage of Stadia, thought it was too negative. And we had a mix of people either like our brief distributor discussion or dislike our brief yes. distributor discussion. Yes, we did. <laughs> and to open the pinball section, I want to quote an email that actually just came in a couple days ago to our EGP email, which, by the way, is at collectagamerspodcast at gmail.com. It's Michael W. Uh, wrote in, and he took a different position from us versus uh, versus uh, where, where we were really steering on the distributor discussion. So I just wanted to read it because I thought it would provide an interesting other perspective to listeners besides what we covered last time. So this is the the relevant part of the email. I was just contemplating something you guys said in your last podcast. It was about how you don't think there is a place for distributors in the coming years. I would argue that point for one simple reason. Everyone needs an advocate. If you're one person buying from a large corporation, then you don't have sway on the event of a problem or issue. However, if you're a dealer who buys a bunch of games in a year, then a supplier is more likely to listen to them. It's like my job, where we have levels of service, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. We respond quickly to platinum customers. I bet other manufacturers treat their high sales distributors the same way. While distributor may not always be the one answering the tech support calls, I can think of at least two who will continue to help you even after the warranty has long expired. And he gave the examples of Kingpin and Flippin' Out, which are two pinball distributors. Yep. They are what they are they are what exemplify why distributors will continue to be necessary and an important part of a successful sales model. So thank you, Michael, for the email and providing a differing perspective. Yeah. And we heard a fair number of talk about this and and some of them I I actually agree with a lot of them that there could be uh, very well a future for the distributor model. And some of them have even been far enough to convince me that it'd be good for the players, which I kind of always thought distributors could be good for the players. But yeah, that's it depends upon, depends on the distributor. I guess that's I something we didn't really emphasize or discuss. But again, it was only a couple minute discussion, but... Uh, my perspective on why I think that the model will will fade, if not go away, fade more to seeing more manufacturer direct sales has nothing to do with the benefit of the customer. It's no. the benefit of the manufacturer. Yes. And that's why I think it will happen. And we've seen it happen with many, if not all of these startups. Yeah. All of the newer companies that I am aware of do at least a portion direct sale. And even Stern is now as well. So I don't think we're... It's not that we're advocating for a shift. The shift is happening. Right. Because it's one of those things that they're the manufacturer, and if they decide it's in their best interest, Mm -hmm. well, then it doesn't matter what anybody else does. And I I say, just look at what Stern has done with some of their Mandalorian limited editions when they made them available to their insiders through their website. So the the shift even with Stern has been... And that wasn't even the first. The Star Wars home pin stuff was already showing signs of this. But, But anyway, it's an interesting topic. 
but that's not one I want to really focus on for this episode because we've got a lot of other stuff. We do. We need to focus on. So let's move on to the next topic, which is haggis. It's just this is a brief note. We talked about that they had. You were talking about sirens, different than mermaids. Um, the Fathom Revisited Mermaid Edition did sell out. So the last week. Uh, the day before it sold out, I believe I had read that approximately 30 were remaining. And I guess they sold those in the last day. Now, the impression I've been given, I don't know if it's true or not, is that perhaps some entity bought a number of them and let them reach that threshold. But that's fine. That's fine. They're, they were sold. They were already so close to sold out. They'd past their 200 level that it was very successful regardless of it right. truly saw you know truly reached that or not so anyway I congratulations mean, I mean, if it was something where like a distributor bought a handful to sell you know someone did that to me once regarding some shirts back when i did twip podcast and in that instance it was not appreciated because it mandated me meeting certain obligations that i did not want to meet but <laughs> i yep th- those were the rules i set so i had to i had to you know uh, shame on me for for not <laughs> for thinking I was so clever, and in reality, I just set myself up for failure. But so anyway, congratulations to Haggis. Uh, those aren't expected till later this summer to start. Yeah. Uh, next topic: a spooky pinball. Just as an FYI to those that don't follow the forums or the Facebook discussions, but signs are being dropped now from Spooky that the next game announcement appears to be imminent. Camera. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there was one that was like, uh, I think the uh, one of the owners, Charlie, was posing by one of the, I can't remember if it was Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness, but in front of one of those posters. Yeah. You know, that was one where it was heavily suggested, I believe, by one of the designers at one point that that was a game that the designer wanted them to go with, but they couldn't get Bruce Campbell's voice. It right. was too expensive. Which makes me wonder if if it is indeed going to be... They might just be trolling with the with that Evil Dead, which is a good troll. But whether or not post-Rick and Morty, they have enough money to get Bruce, or Bruce is cheaper now than he was then, because back when those discussions were still going on, I think that the TV show was still going right. on. I don't, I'm not aware that that still is or not. I don't know. I only watched the, the first two seasons, and then after that, I know the showrunner left and... I did not like the direction it sounded like it was going to go in. I didn't even bother to look into the third season. I never watched any of it. So. It was, it's fun. Uh, the first season in particular, I think. The uh, Or maybe given just how crazy these pinball prices have gotten lately, they could just say, let's just pay them and we'll just up the cost. Yeah. Let's add it into the games. I mean, it will, it will, it would be a huge hit. I, I think there are a lot of people really hoping that Spooky does a real horror theme again. Not this, oh, well, we're a sci-fi company too. Uh, they are. It's smart for them to be. Right. I'm not saying that they should rename or only do horror, but they definitely don't do horror. And they used to imply that's what they were going to do. Right. And their most successful games are not horror. Rick and Morty is not a horror and neither is Total Nuclear Annihilation. <laughs> so anyway, uh, just I think maybe by our next episode. I think it's very conceivable we might have yet more pinball news. All Good. of a sudden, the news is uh, it's happening. Finally, news is flowing. It, there's it. actual pinball stuff. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. So much excitement. 
Now, in more negative excitement, I think we need to talk a little bit about Jersey Jack pinball, Tony. So there's still- Do they have an announcement? No. Other than they're still releasing their very popular, highly successful game, Guns N' Roses Pinball. Right. The problem is there continues to be an increased volume of discussion about playfield quality control issues, which it seems plague JJP more than any other manufacturer in the business. So this is something that I have been loosely aware of uh, ongoing. Obviously, we have in the past discussed not only with JJP, but other manufacturers that have had challenges with their playfield quality issues, particularly right. art and clear chipping and coming up off of the game. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. So just the other day, I did go through and review the massive thread on Pinside discussing this. And it's an interesting thread. It's not... It's negative. It's I mean, it's pen side. So it's it's, it's, it's negative, but not not overly so. I I mean, there are a lot of concerns, but it's a I think it's a useful thread for a couple of reasons. One, the owner operator of of high end pins or HEP, who is well known for doing some, if not, I'd say most people would say he is the top restorer of pinball machines in the game. Yes. And so as part of that process, he does a lot of clearing. He works with a lot of playfield restoration and playfield preparation. He has weighed in numerous times in the thread, admitting he has basically no interest in like he doesn't care if JJP gets it right or not. That's not his that's it's not impacting him. Right. But there's a lot of misinformation, which isn't unusual, that's been coming out about what's wrong with the playfield. So based off of his 20 plus years of experience, he has provided information regarding like the challenge. And some of this is stuff I've seen before, but you know, it's real easy for misinformation. So there are people that like will think that you could store the game for two years and the clear will harden up more and that'll solve the problem. And uh, yeah, yeah. People can't see Tony's reaction. Well, they don't know how clear works. (laughs) They don't understand. Like they don't understand the hardening time is very, very, very brief. And even the cure time isn't years. So He's I'm just going to sit on it in the box for two years right. and it'll be perfect so, when we come out. I mean, people are showing examples of, because uh, obviously this podcast, I can't show people photos, but the examples are generally where posts are tightened down. There is clear that bubbles up around it, chips away from it, and the art comes up with it. Yeah. So Hap has suggested like things you could do while the problem is still a problem, like using a smaller washer underneath the post, which... When it's tightened down, yes, will cause the chipping, but it would be a smaller footprint, so it would be masked by... You could either use a larger washer underneath it, or it shouldn't come out past the post, is right. the idea. Uh, but that fundamentally, the problem seems to be with the way the ink is bonded to the playfield, and then the clear staying bonded to the the art, the ink, is tearing the ink out. It's, it's staying connected to the clear, right. like it should, yeah. but... Uh, and that's something I, I recall someone else once uh, once discussing who had experience with clear coat was talking about that. There's a lot of suspicion that has something to do, perhaps, with the digital printing that's now happening on the playfields, because this was not a problem with the screening back when they were screen printing. But there are a lot of people that still seem to think that this is because of environmental regs and that the new clear is the problem. But not saying that there aren't challenges with the new, more environmentally friendly clear, but it's... If the clear is staying attached to the art, then the 
clear seems to be doing its job. Right. So Hap just gave some information about all of that and also noted that you can still use, in almost all locations, you could still use the old clear if you wanted to. It's not illegal. So, Maybe in California to, you know. Yeah, but how many manufacturers are based in no, California? So it's moot. Yes. Yeah. Is the point. So, so anyway, um, it's just, it's getting a lot of play. Uh, one of the things that, one of the owners that, uh, posted i mean obviously frustration is is paramount with many of the people just like why isn't this solved yet they point to statements made by those with jjp that had suggested the problem is solved most of the other manufacturers have either appeared to solve the problem or the problem like in stern's case seems to come up intermittently like when in high humidity times sometimes they seem to have more of an issue than other but it's not like this where it's impacting so many games right and the 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 lack of a of an ideal resolution replacement or repair policy, which I know I've at least over with uh, the uh, pinball show podcast, I've talked about that before. But there was one person who just recently said they did hear back from JJP about their pretty obviously damaged playfield, and JJP's proposal was, well, if you would like to send us the game back, we'll give you a full refund. There you go. So that's the that's the fix. But obviously, <laughs> most people are like, but who would do that? You could sell it used more. Right. And which is also part of the interesting challenge, because why would people... Uh, I mean, there are people that are saying they have canceled their or- incoming orders on LEs and stuff. But on the CEs with the limited count, when they're selling for more used than they do new... Why would you ever... Even if they're damaged. That's why some of the people are wondering, well, will it if you know that it's damaged? I don't. I guess we'll find out. But people are I mean, mad at that point. If if you're so worried about it and not so invested in it, just don't open the box and flip it as soon as you get it. Yeah, it's and I think that's perhaps what some will do. I mean, I I do sympathize. If I paid twelve thousand five hundred dollars for something and the paint was chipping away on it, right? I would complain too. Oh, and I would. I, and I, I agree would, completely. And I do think it's it's pretty poor form for JJP to not be offering replacement play fields anymore except at, yeah, even at cost it's like yeah maybe once you're past a certain warranty period but if this isn't caused by wear if this is because you either your ink isn't adhering properly or and or i should probably say you're over torquing down all of your components on the surface of the play field that's a you problem right so fix your you problem and i think the big thing is just they have enough orders there's enough demand and the people crying about it is probably a small enough amount that they just don't care. Mm-hmm. I saw one say, going back to our distributor discussion, I just saw one say, they didn't say who their distributor was, but that their distributor bought them a play field as a replacement. But I imagine a distributor doesn't want to end up having to do that for all their customers. So right. It wouldn't shock me if the distributor asked the client, don't say that, don't say right. who I am because I can't, I mean, because that would come out of their profit. I don't know how feasible it would be for them to buy play. F- I mean, it's not like they're 20 bucks. I mean, no. They're kind of pricey. So uh, yeah, anyway, it's just, it's disappointing. And of course, as we've seen with all of these manufacturers, and I do mean all, I mean, I know people will give spooky credit for being one of the first to solve the problem, but I remember right after getting my TNA, the radio silence on, they were super cagey. They would never say what, what numbers of their run on TNA were the ones impacted by the art issue. Right. I mean, they, they played the game too, but 
JJP's playing the game right now and they're not saying anything. And that's what's also aggravating. You know, it's like radio silence. But it's one of those things that from their point of view, mm-hmm. nothing they say is going to be right. Right. Again, this is consistent with what we've seen from all the other. I mean, Stern was the same way. They never really admitted much other than. Yeah, we're look, we look into customer complaints on quality and we try and, right. and, and find resolution, you know, just super vague things. Uh, and Spooky was the same. So, but the thing is now everyone's like, but Spooky and American Pinball and by and large Stern and Chicago Gaming, they're not having this problem. What's JJP's problem? I don't know. And oh. JJP don't want to tell you. So, and maybe they don't know. I hope they know. I'd hope by now they would know. But You would hope, but But I'm do not, not trust to hope. It has forsaken yeah. these lands, Tony. It has forsaken these lands. Darkness has descended upon the land. That was a great epic voice. And given your great epic voice, I want to discuss another great epic voice that we both just heard this morning. So I want to talk about pinball adventures. And here's the topic. I'm not sure it's going to get a ton of play on the other podcast. But here on Eclectic Gamers Podcast, Tony, we give the people what they want. And what do they want? They want more pinball adventures. Who doesn't? So... There is a video that dropped about, I think at the time of this recording, three days ago, regarding an upcoming game that they're going to be doing called Elements. Now, for those that don't know, Pinball Adventures made their name in pinball regarding releasing a a book that was a collaboration with Todd Tucky of, um, oh, what's his, uh, TNT Amusements, I believe is, is, he has got a lot of videos on YouTube doing restoration. They're really fun. It's a real, it's a fun thing. So Todd's really popular. And there were some issues with the with the with the booklet when it was coming out and so quality issues and such. Uh, but since then, they have become more of a full fledged pinball company. And their first game, Punny Factory, has been the one that if you talk about pinball adventures, it's the one you discuss because it's the one that everyone's seen. Right. And I'm not aware of where that stands in terms of how many they've made or if they've been sent to. I I haven't been following it. Yep. I'm not afraid. at all. Pinball adventures has not really been on my radar, other than I know that they're they're around. So uh, I do have a link in the show notes for folks so you can go and check out their sneak peek video that Tony and I are going to, to talk about. Um, yeah. Okay. So this video is different. Than, it, 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 it's, it's. This video is different than what I, and we'll go into that. I think at the end, let, let me talk a little bit about the game first to get the, the basics out of the way. Okay. So this game has a ramp. Uh, Punny Factory was a single level. So this game has, I think it has a couple of return ramps, one from a mini play field and one that's an actual ramp shot. Uh, they are doing a different approach with the display. So it has a small screen that's designed to show the scores and also some small animations in the apron. And the only thing I can say is if you've ever seen the Gen 1 Atari games like Middle Earth and stuff from the 70s, think that. Except like a little LCD, right? Like it was a, uh, I, I'm gonna be, you're gonna be, I'm gonna be frank, like I often am, Tony. It was a super unpopular way to display scores because spectators couldn't see them. Now, in the video, they do touch on the concern about spectators not being able to see what's going on. So they also stressed that not in the back box, but as the topper, there would be a stretched display like an lcd but stretched out kind of like a dmd i'm not sure why it's a topper and i and why they're going with that particular framing i guess the scores will be there but i wasn't 
perfectly clear on that. The thing that the video emphasized, which I thought was very odd, was that they said it would display random animations relating to the things that are being fought. So things being fought or played against in the game. So to me, it sounds like it's a video screen that's got an animation on loop. That's just much like a top, you know, it is a topper. So, you know, designed to grab people's eye and give you a sense of the theme, but it's not actually going to integrate into whatever's going on in the game, unless it also is overlaying the scores, which again, I wasn't clear that that's going to happen, but FYI, there's that. As I know, there is a mini play field, um, which is sort of like a, you know, it's, it's on top. It's not an upper play field per se, but it's think along those lines, that style of mini play field. Oh, uh, maybe kind of like Mandalorian has a mini playfield, and then there's also a sort of creature of the black from the Black Lagoon style insert area, which is supposed to highlight what next shot you're going to do regarding the elements that you're fighting. I guess the elements are bad, so you're fighting the elements. Um, the elements are the monsters of the game or whatnot. Uh, the video also did specify that the rules would be simple, which I think is something that they stuck with with Punny Factory. Is they're running with the theory that rules in pinball are getting too complicated. People want easy to understand, easy to play rule sets, which I think it's, does make I think it's a valid argument. sense for um, location play. So anyway, uh, the video does have renderings of like in visual pinball or something of what the game kind of is expected to shoot like and stuff. This video, though, Tony, it's wow. it's really weird. I'm it's does it want to be like, is it trying to be like memeable? Because it seems I, to be what it, the. All right. So I'll open with the first thing that stood out to me is there's a someone with a British accent who occasionally slips into ye olde English in a... Have you ever played the game Two Worlds? No. Drip, drip, drop. Those that know the game understand what I just said. Two Worlds was an RPG. It's an absolute disaster train wreck of a game. It is so terrible. I encourage everyone to play it who enjoys RPGs to know just how bad it could be. (laughs) The game is playable, except the, it was laggy. Like you could ride horses, but the horses were so broken. I walked everywhere. I I won this game. I played it all the way through and won it (laughs) though. Incidentally, you can win the game like within the first 15 minutes. If you want to, there's a way there are videos online that will show you how it's not hard to do. (laughs) And anyway, the audio though, was a, a case in point. So I mentioned drip, drip, drop because in the game it had weather, which at the time was still somewhat newish. I mean, I don't know. Zelda kind of did it way, way long ago. But um, so my character, when it would start raining, he's supposed to sometimes he'd go drip, drip, drop while you're ri- walking or riding your horse or whatever. Except the game was so laggy and buggy. He'd say it when it was sunny out. <laughs> and then when it would start raining, it would, he, five minutes later, he'd bring it up. And <laughs> it was so weird. And it's like the dev team did all the voices and the way they, they did the dialogue is everything is like thy shalt not style yield. Yeah. Real old English fake style though. So you had non-voice actors trying to deliver these lines. It's so cringe. The whole thing is cringe. You have people. It's like, no, leave my wife alone. Ye mountain monster. (laughs) Ye scallywag. (laughs) It's bad. It's really bad. You should play it. You should play that stuff on fantasy. You should suffer. You should suffer. Um, they made a Two Worlds too, where they made fun of in their trailers how bad Two Worlds was. But it wasn't so bad they didn't make a sequel. 
The sequel sucks too. Yeah. But it's not but it's not worth playing in the same way because <laughs> it's, it's not so it's bad. Not, it's like have you ever seen Uwe Boll's Blood Rain? It's yes. seen Blood Rain 2? No. Okay. Blood Rain 2 is not worth it's just boring. Blood Rain is so cringe that you should oh, watch it. Oh, it's so bad. I have it on DVD because it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad that it deserves to be watched. You know, it reaches that it reaches that pinnacle. So what does that have to do with this? Okay, well, this video, there's someone narrating and they keep showing clips of a wizard? I don't know. He has got a USS Enterprise book or puzzle or something in the upper right corner. Yeah, it's, Look. It, it's, it's the Chilton's uh, repair guide for the USS mm. Enterprise that they put out. Okay. So, but the rest of the room is done up in fantasy. Like he's got figurines of Saruman and Gandalf and stuff in a cabinet. And he's got these like lamps that are meant to look like candles. All right. The point is, he's not the narrator. They're dubbing. It's like they got stock footage of a wizard guy and they're dubbing him. They're dubbing him over. The lips don't remotely sync up. (laughs) They have him saying things when his mouth isn't moving at all. It's worse than any 70s Kung Fu movie you can think of. And even the video itself is cringe. Like they did at points, his wand is supposed to be glowing. So they've clearly added the uh, lens flare filter effect, but he's moving the wand around and they don't move the filter. (laughs) So it just glows in this one spot. So I was just like, why are you doing it this way? Why couldn't you just dress a guy up as a wizard? Why do you also, why is there a guy as a wizard? This game doesn't have anything to do with wizards. They talk about how it's representing both genders in the, which I thought is a weird way to describe it. It it was, that was cringe. It was weird. It's like, okay. So, but the way they describe that, it makes me think, okay, was that a complaint of punny factory that punny factory did not represent both genders? And like, why was that ever allowed to be a problem in Penny Factory? I mean, that's the thing is... Anyone could tell a pun, so I don't understand why you let that be a bear. I, one of the art images in here talking about, well, we're representing both genders, and we have Valkyries, has a Valkyrie in a bikini with tentacles wrapped around her arm. So they're definitely they're definitely yeah. spot on yeah. on the rap- representing the genders <laughs> I, thing. I'm not they sure, definitely I'm, seem to I'm be not sure this real is gonna go good. Over. I'm not sure this is going to go Though I do have to. Another uh, part that got a chuckle out of me is when they said female Valkyrie. You know. Versus all the male Valkyries. Right. It's like, it, it's, it's a Valkyrie. It's, it's like, it's just, when you say a mermaid, we know it's not a merman. Okay. It's a, it's a merman. <laughs> you said mermaid. merman. You don't need to say female mermaid. If we know what that means. Um, also, the... But Wizard isn't one of the characters. They talked yeah. about some... They said Conan the Barbarian type. They flat out called him that. <laughs> There's the Valkyrie, the female Valkyrie. And then... Ninja. Well, obviously. There was a video game called Pirates vs. Ninjas, which really (laughs) was leaning into. There was a brief period, for those that don't know. Oh, God, I'm going all over the place on this podcast. For those that don't know, like around 2012 or so, there was a time where Pirates and Ninjas got really popular. And the idea of like comboing them was one of those sort of ridiculous things that tastes good. So let's do it. And it kind of reached peak cringe, like within eight months, and then it went away. Right. So anyway, I, again, this is all playing up like you're dealing with elements like wood and metal and water and fire and, you know, very fantastical stuff. I get the idea of a wizard, but oh, ninja, okay, I, I yes. guess. Why not? I mean, uh, let's see, uh, tentacle Valkyrie wrapped up in ninjas, I I guess, th- if, you've, if you know 13-year-olds that have enough money to buy these pinball machines. Yeah. 
Uh, hey, <laughs> I guess you've got a hit. It's going to be huge. But, uh, but I, Tony, you cut other things in the yeah, video. I'm, I'm impressed, honestly. <laughs> I am subtly impressed <laughs> that the budget for this game is so big that they were able to purchase art assets from Wizards of the Coast. The wi- the Wizards of the Coast that controls, what, Magic the Gathering's under their auspices now? Dungeons and Dungeons Dragons. Dragons has been for decades. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Wizards of the Coast. Because there are, there are straight-up art images that still have the Wizards of the Coast logo <laughs> Which on was, them. Oh, wait, I guess they're giving credit then. So they're kind I, of I saw, giving credit. I saw the art and my first thought was... Well, this is way too good to be put on a pinball machine. Yes. No no offense, pinball artists, but like when I saw this compared to, they showed some other art, which I think is going to be the sides in the cabinet and stuff. And then this came up and I was like, yeah, it was totally different level. It was next level. This is like, these are the guys that do the acrylic and watercolor painting for magic cards yeah. and get that stuff scanned. And a bunch of them are magic cards. Yes, Tony's like, that's a magic card. I know that's a magic card. card. He actually pointed at Skiggas, that's a magic card. I know it's a magic card. I've seen it before. They took a magic card. They stuck it in here. And there were some others that that I went ahead and it's like, this looks really familiar. And they're in like list of fantastical creatures off of like Pinterest and stuff like that. It's great art. It's great. Art is amazing. (laughs) But it's the kind of stuff that I expect like when I'm looking on like, Art Station or DeviantArt to find Pinterest or or, or Pinterest, uh, which just steals from like Art Station and DeviantArt and all that stuff. Right, right. But it's just one of those things. I'm looking. I'm like, wow. Yeah, and so your the licensing is a, a good point because uh, my understanding is Wizards of the Coast doesn't have a reputation of looking favorably on people that just take their artist mm, stuff. I don't know. Not, they're they're not notorious. Like no, they're, they're not, not as bad as some people. Right. They're not like the recording industry, but right. And they're not like uh uh Blizzard who oh. has gotten really bad in the That's last Activision's few years. Fault. But but still they 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 definitely it, it was it was a surprise to me to see and the fact that everything else looked like they had purchased themselves access to a stock image gallery and pulled out like 90% of the stuff from that. Yeah. So, anyway, I uh, again, link in the show notes to the video. It's about six minutes long. I'd say the narration stuff runs about four minutes, and the last couple of minutes is going through and showing you some uh, features from the game and the in the renderings. Right. So, but it's so goofy slash cringy that I do encourage people to watch. It's worth yeah. it's worth the watch. It's worth it. It's, it's worth the watch. It's weird, and we will just have to wait and see how Elements ends up doing for Pinball Adventures. One last thing, Tony and Pinball. We've again, we've had a lot. I've tried to, I've tried to punch through it, but some of these things have to be celebrated, like videos on YouTube. Uh, this will not be celebrated, unfortunately, and that is the update from Deep Root Pinball. We've so, long been waited. They said it was coming in May, and, and it did. It came out a little bit after our last episode. This is actually the oldest piece of news I had in our internal notes. Right. Uh, this literally dropped like. Two days after the last yeah, episode, or three really, days it was really after close. The it was really close. So, so uh, I have a, a. I'm gonna go ahead and it's a little long, and I apologize for that. But I am gonna go ahead and read it because I think that's just the best way to to encapsulate it for the audience. Dear Raza customer, first I want to wish the amazing Mister Bowden a very happy birthday. I'm honored he has decided to spend the occasion at work writing up more cool tips for his FunWithBonus.com website. It was nice to catch up with him this morning about Raza. 
While it has been six weeks since our last update, we wish there was more to update on. We are dealing with the same issues most other small and large businesses are. That is, still struggling with some vendors over supply chain and deliveries, unable to hire staff because of labor shortages, and dealing with inflationary increases in part since we have not been able to execute quick enough. We come in every day and are chipping away at the diminishing obstacles to shipping our first Razas. We want to keep communication open. However, it seems sometimes that these periodic updates don't convey the progress that is happening, nor does it solve the real goal of delivering games. At this point, we do not expect to send another mass update about Raza until after the July 4th weekend. In the meantime, if some Raza customers wish to rescind their contracts and request their payments back, we will offer those on a first-come, first-served basis starting June 1st, 2021. You can reply to this email or use our online contact form on our website. Please include your name, order number, and a request to rescind the Raza purchase contract. Once accepted, your request is irrevocable. For those waiting on the waitlist, please again, do not contact us to check on if you have a machine or not. We will do our best to fill as many requests as we can from the rescinded machines in order on the waitlist at the end of the Raza run. Since the list has grown from the last mass email, we cannot guarantee to be able to accommodate everyone. Best, Robert J. Moeller, Principal, Deep Root Pinball. All right. So that's the message. There are some red flags. Yeah, there, there, there's a couple. There are some flags. There, they look a, a little flags. crimson in, in there's shade. A, there's a little. I, I I hear a bull stamping somewhere off to the mm-hmm. side. All right. So, obviously, there is uh, soon to, in just a couple days after this episode drops, you will be able to, Raza customers, request a refund. They're not committing to refunding everyone. That's so, that's one of the red the, flags. That's a huge red flag. Opening it up to to breaking contract and doing refunds is in and of itself, I feel, a red flag. Yep. The discussion of progress being made and it being vague in the sense that nothing is being spelled out as to what that progress is, is also a red flag to me. And I also think that the waitlist statement is a bit of a red flag in the sense that the way it reads to me, they're keeping it fairly opaque, which isn't unusual in and of itself, but I it makes me personally suspect that their hope, I'm using hope loosely, but their hope is, or maybe a better way to say is their intent is anyone who cancels, they're not building that machine. And I don't think they're going to sell them to the wait list. I don't, I think if they, I think if they thought they could reduce their build by 50, they'd happily just reduce the build by 50 at this yeah. stage. And that's, and of course, me still assuming that this is actually going to happen. Right. And that's, a big assumption. I mean, there. why not? You don't have to go into every nut, bolt, and screw, but one could share, like, what supply chain bottlenecks are. Is it the pin bar? Is it the, you know, is this like parts related to the pin bar where they're holding us up? Right. What, what about the UL certification? All the other updates have been talking about that they still had not yet obtained their UL certification. Is that done? Do they give up? I mean, you don't have to have UL certification. My understanding is Spooky doesn't get UL certification. I don't know why they don't, but they don't. That, I, that I've heard, at least when I bought. Um, But, I mean, that was always a piece in all of these, and now I don't see it. So either it's done, there's no news to report, or they're still struggling with, like, they're still, they had things to adjust. But... All of those could have been reported. Right. Oh, yeah, we got feedback and we had to make a few adjustments for the UL certification. We're still waiting to hear back from the last submission on our UL certification. But just silence is, I mean, 
I I get this. I get with the pinball people where his you know, in his third paragraph about wanting to keep communication open, but that the periodic updates don't convey the progress that is happening or does it solve the real goal? Yeah, I get that doesn't solve the goal. But the reason these periodics don't convey the progress that's happening is you chose not to convey anything. Right. You didn't say you, the, the, all you said. Oh, there's things happening. Yeah. You didn't say what you, those things were. You chose to keep it vague. So it's your own fault hey, that progress, progress isn't made. made. I learned how to make better mac and cheese in the microwave today. Progress was made. I mean, I mean that, that that that's what it could be. And the simple fact of the matter is, the only reason this happened as it's written at all. Is because the last time there was an update, they said there'd be an update by the end of May. Right. And I think that, and I'm glad that they did it. Yes. I'm, That's better than, than saying there'd be an update by the end of May and I think not it's, saying nothing. I, I think even as as horrifically vague as this is, I think at least regularly releasing a statement is good for them. I think they should be doing this. Right. So I, I would not say drop doing it. And if you're still just going to keep it this vague, I'd still say go ahead and keep doing it. It's it's better than not saying anything at all, given the situation you're currently right. in. But I don't think it's damaging. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I don't think it's damaging to provide at least some some vague level of, of detail. Like, since our last update... Uh, we have increased our, we've received more parts that we were, that were bottlenecked and we now have 85% of what's needed to complete the Raza builds. Whereas at the last update, we were at 76%. Right. Or something as simple as, as, as talking about, well, while we're waiting on that, we have managed to make some modifications and we will be launching with a newer version of code. Yeah. Uh, I, and maybe some of that's over on the fun with like I didn't go and read what Steve had been updating on fun with bonus. About right. Raw. I actually have not. I still follow fun with bonus on Facebook and such, but I haven't been going to the website since it's shifted to being all about deep root stuff. Right. I because, haven't either. Well, I don't have the game. If, if we had a game on location, then I'd want to learn the rules. I don't I don't see any point in theoretically learning rules to a game I will never encounter in tournament because it doesn't exist. Right. And that's a very real possibility considering the, hey, if you I'll, want I'll your care full when refund, it ships. I'll care when it we'll ships. give you a full refund. Yeah. So anyway, it's a mess. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it, it's also not surprising to me. No, I don't. I think anybody who's surprised with it hasn't been paying attention. Even on pin side in the, th- in the threads, I, and I'm, I've been reading the deep root thread again. There's very little defense of the company going on. And, and, that, and historically, that's amazing and on historically, there were always I, I, shills isn't the right word, but I mean, I still were, I remember, I remember my George, I remember the old days with Skit B and Highway Pinball and the sycophantic just defense of of the companies while they were going down the drains and people that were just total head in the sand denial, yeah, uh, and and hoodwinked and you know. And the uh, people who were, who, who were like, well, I'll buy it. I'll buy a second machine just to help them out. Yeah. And and that, I'm not seeing much of any of that with Deep Root. So. Yeah. Maybe people have learned their lesson. I don't know. That or they created a new locked thread just for true believers. Uh, there could be more than one thread. I generally will only follow one thread at a time on a topic <laughs> anymore. I can't. Sorry, Mando and your five threads. I've no. no. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm following zero of the Mandalorian threads. They're all too busy. But you know what isn't too busy? 
Video games. That's a lie. Video games is so You're right. Messy. I'm, I, I, I lied bad. It's <laughs> actually, I think, got just as many bullets as the pinball section does, and you left stuff out. Yeah, and I, I, I dropped I dropped a bunch of things. So what do you want to start with in the video game section, Tony? I'm going to start with the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Rumors are going around right now that Nintendo is getting ready to announce their upgraded version of the Switch, which has been, you know... Pinball level of poorly held secret. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot about it. Uh, 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 the, the, they're they're going to announce the upgraded version before E3 so that it will release their third-party developers to show games off and talk about it at E3 instead of having to hide the fact that they're developing games for a Switch that's not been announced yet. Because while nothing's been set in stone yet, it also sounds like Nintendo is going to be one of the final big things at e3 hmm. they're going to be toward they're going to be last day stuff okay they're in their what clubhouse or treehouse yeah or, their treehouse i was going to call it the treehouse of horrors from tree house of horrors. Uh, yeah but they're it's going to be their their big special display thing is going to be towards the last day uh from the sounds of it um they're also hitting big with pokemon this year uh remakes of diamond and pearl are coming out in november but what's interesting to me is in January of next year, they're putting out Pokemon Legends Arceus, an open world action RPG Pokemon game. Supposedly. Okay. Huh. I, it, I can't wait till we both limit break and team up the power of Squirtle and, and Pikachu to finally do a true electrocution <laughs> move. It, 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 it was kind of weird. Because they, 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 in the video clip, they, in the little teaser clip they showed, they literally had characters running around in the open field and like ducking down and sneaking up and hitting Pokemon with Pokeballs. <laughs> I hope there's crafting. I want, I want my Bulbasaur to be a gold, a goldsmith. <laughs> well, well, the interesting thing is, is it is being, uh, uh, according to what they said is they'll be brought to the Sanoa region, which is the same region from Diamond and Pearl. Um, but it's going to, the story's going to unfold back in like feudal times. It's like a long time ago. It's before all the modern Pokemon League, no Pokemon League, no this and that. It's you walking out and wild, attacking wild Pokemon and building the first Pokedex and all this stuff. I don't know. My <laughs> kids are going to love it. Okay. But it's just the, the thought of an action RPG Pokemon game is just mind-blowing <laughs> to me it's like they're changing pokemon from the same basic pattern that it's been forever so i'm just i'm just imagining like the over-the-top dialogue scenes like persona style oh, but man. with but with pokemon doing poke so it's like pika 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 Pikachu! <laughs> it's like no and then you know awesome jazz soundtrack in the back of course and then you get like you get the some some Pokemon doing the big flash cut like yeah, you get some of the yeah. old things. And you watch the other Pokemon, you go, <laughs> and just slide into two pieces. Squirtle! <laughs> <laughs> puts on the sunglasses. Something that takes the Oh, Pokemon. Squirtle's <laughs> ultimate attack. He has to put on the Squirtle Squad or whatever they were called with the sunglasses. That, it's... Squirtle. It has to Squirtle. Be. I, you know, I just like to see a Pokemon game that is as dark as Pokemon probably would be if it was real. Hmm. I, I I I mean, bloody messes everywhere and just over the top, just 
craziness. <laughs> I still remember the line from the epic rap battles of Charles Darwin versus Ash Ketchum. <laughs> and when he calls Ash, Mighty Morphin Michael Vick. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, we'll jump from Nintendo to one of our favorite companies. It was Blizzard. That's my snowstorm sound. They did put out their announcement. BlizzCon 2021 has been canceled. Probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, the, the the direct quote from them is, Building an in-person BlizzCon is an epic and complex affair that takes many months of preparation. True. The ongoing complexities and uncertainties of the pandemic have impacted, impacted our ability to properly move forward on many of these fronts. And ultimately, we've now, we're now past the point where we'd be able to develop the kind of event we'd want to to create for you in November. Translation, they don't know what to do without Papa Jeff. That's basically what it is. Yep. No, no Papa Jeff, they can't do anything. Now, they did announce that they are planning on having an event in early 22, uh, similar to the... BlizzCon line. God, that was such a stupid name. It was a bad name. The event was all right. It was all right. Similar to that, but they want to combine that with also having small regional gatherings. Yeah. Okay. I could, I mean, I could see it. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Oh, um, uh, but what about what about Overwatch 2? That's the real news. That's the real news. Oh, there's rage it's, everywhere. There's no and rage. excitement. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. Actually, it's someone no, said no, they did. Nobody watched their their whole livelihood yeah. and job plan just explode. You didn't hear every off tank in the Overwatch League simultaneously. Diva's go, gonna be fine. Oh. She's already Titan falling her way to victory. <laughs> oh, it's a mess now. It's such a mess. Yeah, no. Uh someone, I can't remember who it was, it's Said they did a, a poll of their um, viewers or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was like split 55% excited, 45% hate it. I mean, it's really polarized and yeah. very evenly split. But continue. Uh, Our listeners don't know what we're talking about. I'm, I'm sure they don't. They announced for Overwatch 2 that the PvP, since Overwatch 2 does have a PvE section, the PvP section will be five versus five instead of six versus six. Uh, they are eliminating the off-tank position, so it'll be one tank, two support, two DPS. Mm-hmm. And to make this viable, they're doing a major rework of all of the tanks, and they're changing the role of a tank to be, instead of a uh, being targeted around protecting your team, to being more of an in-your-face brawler. So... How yeah. you play Ryan anyway. Right. Well, that's how you're supposed to play Ryan. Ryan is an in-your-face brawler who occasionally puts up a shield. If you've got, your, if you're just holding your shield up, you're not playing Ryan right. <laughs> but it's going to be a major change for uh, uh, Arisa players, and uh, yeah, all of the all of the off tanks are going to have to have some pretty heavy changes to make it to make themselves viable in the system. I, yeah, would I think most will. I think all tanks. Are going to have to, I mean, some of the, I don't know. I mean, because most of the main tanks are main tanks because they're so shieldy. Yeah. And that's, and this should destroy the shield meta that has become the thing. But we'll see what happens. Uh, they also showed off some of their, uh, the new role passives that they've, they're putting into the game. Like DPS heroes just move faster. And support heroes self-heal if they're not being attacked continuously. And tank characters 
um, don't get knocked back and or as heavily affected by crowd control. And they provide less ultimate charge when they're being to opponents who are attacking them. So that'll be helpful. Uh, apparently Bastion is being rebuilt from the ground up. Just we're, we're starting over with Bastion. Yeah. Well, they've started over with him before. So. Yeah. This is like the third time they've tried to make Bastion work. So uh, they, they've announced there are two new game modes. The already announced push that right. they first showed in at BlizzCon 2019. Yeah, I think so. And another one that they've not announced. They just said there's there's another one coming. Okay. But they won't say what it is yet. And uh, in addition to that, what we have known for a while is 2CP is being removed from competitive play. And it will be replaced by one of the new game modes. That'll actually probably go over pretty well. I, I think so. They did say the 2CP maps will remain for use in other stuff, like create a game stuff. Oh, okay. So the maps won't go away, but they're just not going to be part of competitive anymore. Yeah. Um, I I mean, it, it's hard to... I don't... Without knowing what all the changes will be, it's hard for me to say that I wouldn't prefer a 5v5 versus a 6v6. It's kind right. of where I'm at. I'm, I'm at the point where having still just sort of casually played competitively to get my gold gun credits, I usually do my placements and that's about it. Yeah. Um, is I'm I would welcome a shakeup to the game at this point. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm pretty it. open to the idea. I could see where, as you noted, off tank uh, players who focus on off tanks are probably scared, but the characters are going to stay. So it's really just a question of how. I mean, like Diva and Hog are really brawly characters already. So I could maybe envision that those wouldn't change too much. They might just have better tank capabilities right but some of that might not be as necessary if they're doing what i'd already had heard which was that a big de-emphasis on that overwatch one has gotten way too much into crowd control and they really want to move it so that there's not nearly all this crap you know everyone has seen video clips of like when you go in to do something and then you got froze by the may and then knocked down by a sigma rock and then you were uh <laughs> Then you were booped by the Lucio, and yeah, and that's one of the things they said is May doesn't freeze anymore. Right, she just she just slows. Right, and so given all of that, it's just when I was told about it, I was like, I can't tell you if it's a good idea or a bad idea because without knowing what's happening with all the other characters, it's too. I could tell you it sounds like a terrible idea if everything else about Overwatch stayed the same and all you did was go from six to five, but they're not doing that. So yeah, I just can't. It's now you bring up a point about the people making their living, the, the people in the Overwatch League, and I understand where they'd be concerned. I I know that one of the people at Blizzard had speculated, but again, this is a speculation, that he would think that it's too hard for high-level competitive players to master all of the tanks. They already don't. So there will be value for teams to be able to still have someone who can play D.Va and and Zarya and someone else who plays Ryan and Arissa and that there's still be the same need for the same number of tank players. They're just not going to be in every game. I'm pretty skeptical that given how much, um, (laughs) given how cheaped out so many of these, these teams have become, I mean, not to fall into a big overwatch league discussion, but like NYXL, for example, is a team that it's got their top level support player and it's a bunch of rookies. Yeah. And I, I'm assuming the reason they did it was to save money because it sure hasn't made them play better. 
they are not the team they were. They're merely, they're a middling team. Or let's talk about uh, your team that you like to follow, London Spitfire, which it has been almost 12 months since they last won yeah. a game. No, they are. And they've, they, and they've gone through multiple rounds of changes of coaching and they wiped the whole team and started over and, and yeah. now, and now they're the Shanghai Dragons of the current season. Yeah, it's just—it's sad. It's sad. I watched their game yesterday, and it made me sad. <laughs> it's one of those things that so many of these teams seem to be. I think they bought in with the high price tag. You know, the twenty to twenty-five million dollar buy-in, and they're not making their money back. No, and I and, mean the overall league's got its own because, like, I'm unclear about. Like I understand doing what they've done currently, given the state of the world, but they have been talking about planning to keep things in the more online approach. Most of those team buys, all of the team buys to my knowledge and creations, including the expansion teams, were under the assumption that there would be homestands, that yeah. there was going to be live audience, and that's where the money was going to come in. Doing all this, just watch it online. Might work for Blizzard to earn some YouTube ad money, but it's that's not what these teams signed up for. Not at all. They need to have the in-person events where people will be like, I want to buy a jersey. It's at the event. I'm going to buy merch while I'm here. Right. It's like a rock concert. And that's what, of anything, and obviously the pandemic meant we had to do shifts. So I, total, I totally get that. But they need to, I think, if they're not going to do everything in person, I think there needs to be, if the Overwatch League is going to last, it needs to go into something where that energy is gone. It was so much more fun to watch when they were in the Blizzard arena. Yes. When there was live audience. I mean, if anything, and- I'd say go back to doing that if it's too hard to pull off the homestand stuff and and say that you're going to have all of the, like they're doing the May Melee and the June Joust and all that. Like all of your final rounds are done in person at, at an arena setting or something. Yeah. And then do your qualifier, you know, all your pre-prep you know, your preseason ranking stuff is is online or something. You know, there are ways. And it sounds like they were planning some sort of blend, but I don't I just don't know what they're doing. I don't know. And I, think, I don't know if they can survive. Oh uh, well, and that's the thing is, well, it's I guess not really necessarily been confirmed. All of us fans are under the impression that Overwatch 2's release has been super delayed versus when it should have come out. Yeah. The earliest they've said is not before twenty two. Right. And that's not a date. That's just but we thought, not before we next year. We all thought, I thought I'd be playing Overwatch 2 now for quite a while. Yeah. I, I We all thought 20, maybe 21. And that's another thing that's, that's because they said when they released Echo, which was over a year ago, mm-hmm. that was it. No more characters. And until the new game comes out, they won't bring new people. They're not going to grow the audience. Really. I mean, I guess the numbers actually on Overwatch have been pretty good, but... Uh, for uh, players. Right. But if you want to bring interest into the league and stuff, I think you really got to get, it needs to be the new game that everyone, it's got to be the new hotness. It's just been too long. It's just too old. Yeah. So they can save it. I'm just, I don't know what's happening. And Blizzard did make, I did see a notation that they said something, they're going to be doing something with Overwatch 1 here soon. I have no, I mean, it was so vague. I was like, what, another special event or you're yeah. actually going to add something. They might have to add something. I mean, the game is reasonably balanced, right? I guess, like, in terms of the team mix-ups and what I'm seeing in Overwatch League, it's, like, the best balanced I've ever seen. I'm actually seeing diverse, like, different teams can run different. Like, if they're bad with a meta, they can make something else work now. You're right. But, yeah, I throw it on in the background, whatever. <laughs> so. You got to get your blooks. 
Gotta get my blukes. So, we're going to leave Blizzard and go to another common topic here lately in, those, in this last year. Twitch. Hot tub meta. Hot tub meta. Uh, Twitch suspended the advertising on several of the channels uh, that would fall into the hot tub, t- hot tub meta uh, at the advertiser's request. And for those who don't know, the hot tub meta is basically uh, people would set in hot tubs and swimsuits, primarily females and talk play games or do stuff it's basically pg cam girling stuff Mm. for money and they made a lot of it but uh advertisers have requested and had issues with it so they started pulling the uh ad revenue but they didn't tell the channel creators until they just stopped getting ad revenue Uh so there was a big uh, uh issue with that and due to feedback, they went ahead and created a whole new category called pools, hot tubs, and beaches uh, that the advertisers can opt out of. And the other people and people can go in and sit in their, their inflatable hot tubs in their living rooms and, and do whatever and show whatever. Um, yeah, we got an email to our EGP uh, Twitch about it, the announcement, oh, so that yeah. we would be aware should we want to hot tub that there's a... There's a category for it. A us. category for it. Yeah, because I was already thinking about it, joining the hot tub meta, because, you know, fat hairy me sitting in a thing playing video games while people watch. I think we'd make bank. It'd just be amazing. Hmm. Well, we could use the funds. Yeah, it it just we we'd be huge. It'd be it'd be the biggest thing in in a hot tub. <laughs> uh Though obviously, the, I, I I did look at the new category, and there was one that stood out at me, and that is Hot Tub Uncle Iroh. Uh, it, it, it's just a clip of Uncle Iroh from uh, the last Avatar, uh, sitting like photoshopped into a hot tub with like the lo-fi music you kind of, you know, <laughs> that's got so popular on YouTube and stuff going in the background, and then every once in a while, an Iroh line from the show will be played over it as just Iroh giving out some wisdom. And that's it. And it's hilarious. <laughs> and it's just on repeat. So uh, that was hilarious. Um, they also attempted to clear up their guidelines on sexually suggestive content. Uh, and they said, being found to be sexy by others is not against our rules. And Twitch will not take enforcement action against women or anyone on our service for their perceived attractiveness. For which I thank you. Yeah. I personally hate it when my attractiveness uh, gets me banned from Twitch. Yeah, makes me feel really bad. Mm-hmm. Have to shut off my cameras. Uh, <laughs> and they uh, went on to say streamers... Uh, may appear in swimwear in contextually appropriate situations at the beach, in a hot tub, in a pool, for example. And while gaming. And while gaming. And we will allow creative expression like body writing and body painting, provided the streamer has appropriate coverage as outlined in our attire policy. Nudity or sexually explicit content, which we define as pornography, sex acts, and sexual services, are not allowed on Twitch. So going to kind of date ourselves here but uh 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 for those who remember back in the 90s the really popular laddie magazines you know like uh fhm and maxim magazine mm. oh yeah which were the the hey we're playboy and penthouse 
but we don't show nipples. Yes, right. That, that that's yeah. pretty much exactly what Twitch is now saying is you can do all of this stuff in the right context. So set up, you know, a bathtub. I I, I literally saw one where a guy was was laying it curled up in a bathtub, fully dressed, watching a movie and commenting on it. <laughs> okay, so. So you uh, do do whatever you want. <laughs> you gotta you gotta te- you, the meta is how you win. So the meta is how you, you win. gotta play the meta. But but it, it's literally the the laddie mag version of of an OnlyFans or okay. or or camera. That's actually a really good description point. for those of old enough to remember Maxim. Yes. <laughs> and they also announced that they are in, introducing three hundred and fifty new tags. Whoa. To give more choice to their tag system, and they're changing their policy on tagging so that creators can tag not just what they are playing, but stuff about who they are and what they stand for. Um, The tags will be related to gender, sexual orientation, race, nationality, ability, mental health, and more. So basically, they used to just have the tags where it just was like you could tag what kind of game. Uh, if it was your first time playing the game, which is helpful, yeah, because I'm always like, I need it tagged so they know I'm a noob, yeah, and 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 what language it is. Mm. But now they're letting you add all sorts of other stuff so that people can more finely tune what they're looking for. Uh, and we're gonna finish up with another just lighthearted and joyful topic, Ubisoft. Mm. Uh, earlier this month, a report came out from the French Le Telegram uh, stating that Ubisoft had only made minimal changes after their large sexual harassment debacle that we talked about in episode 119 oh, yeah. last summer, where they had, where it spanned the whole company. Yeah, it was huge. Lots of people lost their jobs and stuff. Uh, Ubisoft followed up by the other day putting out a lengthy statement uh, saying what progress they had made. And they say that 14,000 employees took part in group-wide assessments, including anonymous questionnaires. 2,000 employees took part in focus groups and listening sessions. Their HR department was audited by an outside third party uh, that resulted in strengthening their non-discrimination and anti-harassment policies uh, with a new company code of pata, code of conduct being in- introduced next month that will have to be signed by all employees. Okay. Um, and the next is a quote, uh, we have recently implemented a new performance criterion to our compensation scheme with specific expectations for managers. This new attribute will focus on our ability to care for people, behave inclusively and foster a safe and respectful work environment. Uh, basically what it amounts to is managers who fail to uphold the safety of their reports, uh, will be impacted financially. It's going to factor into their bonuses. Okay. So, uh, and they made a number of hires and personnel changes to improve the balance of women in senior roles, improve diversity and inclusion, and to add more diverse perspectives to its editorial board. Uh, Once again, going to quote, considerable progress has been made and we will continue to work hard with the ambition of becoming an exemplary workplace in the tech industry. 10,000 team members connected live to virtual town halls in early May where we shared the latest progress being made and we will continue to share regular updates with them. Management, myself included, this was being said by the CEO, uh, Guillemont, um, 
have a responsibility to act as role models and to be exemplary in our teams. I want to stress my personal commitment to continue to improve our workplace culture and create real, lasting, and positive changes at Ubisoft. Considering that so many of the problems came from management, mm-hmm. then I don't know. Does this count as minimal uh, it's, amounts of changes? It seems like more than I would have assumed from what the newspaper said, but I don't know if they knew about all of that. And this right. is them now clarifying, like if they had heard reports of, I mean, I could see where you could have an article come out where it's like, well, after the firings, all they did is they they sent us some surveys and we've not seen any changes. Yet. Right. And you did denote that there was, that the code of conduct is being introduced next month. So, yeah. so it hasn't happened so yet. So a lot still didn't actually happen. So I think they're both right. I think yeah. that this does sound fairly substantive to it me. It does. But that being said, they took their time. Yeah, uh, it's been maybe, almost a year. It was July last year. Yeah, when, the, so, when, when this blew up and, in July, and, and maybe, we're coming up on June, and maybe for codes of conduct and stuff. And given how big they are, I mean, see, that's part of the thing. I could, I could whip up a whole new code of conduct and get it approved within a week. But I, yeah, I'm the only. It's like I, but I'm the only one there. So right, well, right. of course, it's easy for me to do. And they've got, and and and, and Ubisoft has, you know, tens of thousands of employees. So it, it, it's a definite larger they've done more than i thought they would actually i was actually going through the list kind of i was in the same boat i mean do i figured they they pay lips or more lip service than what they actually have affecting managers bonuses that's if it actually affects a manager's bonus i figured they probably do some surveys and maybe write up a new employee manual to better emphasize that there will be punishments for those that uh, violate their sexual harassment policies right that's what i thought they'd do that's kind of what actually that's what the typical max that happens in that is they're 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 like oh we did bad we'll check and make sure things are okay and we'll make some adjustments Mm -hmm. yeah we'll re we'll reword stuff that's already out there so overall yeah i think they've done a decent job from what it sounds like we'll see how it actually works out in the future because that was one of the ones that last July all this stuff blew up, not just with Ubisoft. Yeah, there were. I mean, that and then was a like lot of it just went super quiet. Right. That was also that was right around the time where we also saw that that um, big fighting game tournament Evo yep. had the, the scandals going on, and just there was a lot that came up at the same time. Yeah, because that was that that uh that was actually in episode 119. We talked about Evo cancellation yeah. also. It was like it's the same. It was the summer too, and they yeah. that got canceled pretty quick. So because they were going to do a virtual, and then with the showrunner, yeah, uh, you know, having committed or allegedly committed allegedly s- uh, sexual uh, harassment things, it was just like they just pulled the plug. And now I guess he'll be back this year, but yeah, under new management. So. But. What's not under new management is us and people that want to reach out to us about how we manage this pretty meaty episode can always yeah. email us at collectedgamerspodcast.gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash collectedgamerspodcast and you can message us over there. Or on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram is eclectic underscore gamers. And hey, with things opening back up, there might actually be a post to the Instagram at some point if mm-hmm. I ever get to go play a game on location. That's right. There might be. And if spooky is spooky, we might have... Yet more pinball news in two weeks. I mean, let's be honest. With the way our luck tends to go, the announcement will happen Tuesday. Yeah, but then we'll have it. I'll, I'll stick it in the. I'll stick it in the internal notes and be like, I've already built the pinball section. Uh, until next time, my name is Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye, everybody. See you.